what do you like about the things that you're getting? Um, you know, with Vargas, um, left-handed bat, middle of the diamond, shortstop profile right now, um, elite contact, elite decision-making, um, has above average exit velocity for the level. Um, he's young, that's another good, uh, you know, good quality, and he's really performing well um, at the level. And then with Hernandez, um, switch hitting catcher, above average arm strength, Another guy with above average exit velocity um, and really good decision making in the batter's box. And, you know, we've had scouts at that level um, looking at some of the players. And I think one of the advantages also is, you know, we play them so much um, through extended spring and complex league ball that, um, you know, they get familiar with our players, we get familiar with their players. And um, these are guys that some of our field staff um, had kind of pointed out as well. So um, we just, did some tracking and, and uh, you know, we're ultimately able to end up with both players. We're back and joining me, who would have thought on opening day, two guys who were watching a baseball game, Eli Sussman, Fish on First, Mike Silva talking Mets. If I said which one of these guys would be selling, which one of these guys would be buying, 100 fans, Eli, 100 out of 100 would have said you, but the other way around, how are you doing? And uh, it's been a while, I'm sure, for uh, someone who, you know, covers Marlins baseball, has been covering it for a while, to be in the position that uh, the Marlins are in. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me, Mike. Really, only one other time, you can say maybe two in the last 20 years where they've been in this position. In 2016, at the deadline, they still felt they were kind of in it. And then in 2020, they were, but that was uh, expanded postseason and um, a qu- very unusual circumstances there. So this does feel very foreign to the Marlins. And I'm somebody that usually answers that you're pretty pessimistic. So me in particular, I did not foresee them being in this buying position. And especially with the Mets being on the other side of it, I thought the Mets had put together a great team. Um, so many, so many big names at so many different positions. And of course, coming off great year that they had just in 2022. But this has been such a fascinating twist. You know, the Marlins uh, coming into the season had, uh, depending on what publication, what website you're looking at, the 18th best farm system. But I'll tell you what, uh, and we've talked about this on the show. Last year, they lost, what, 40 or 41 one-run games. I kept saying the Marlins of that team could be a low 80s team, close games. You do a couple of different things, and all of a sudden, you lose 90 games, and you go from losing 90 games to winning you know, 85, 86 games. It looks like that's happening for them. Now, this trade, you know, clearly the Marlins needed some bullpen help. Um, having the kind of farm system they have, knowing that they have a very strict budget and you have to use those prospects really for your big league roster, how much pain does this David Robertson trade put on the Marlins? Because if you're going to go for it, even in the vein that the Marlins are going for it, there's always some pain that typically you give up for the most part in a deal. Yeah, it was sternly anticipated that they would make a move like this for the pen and specifically a righty reliever and specifically somebody that they could trust in high leverage spots. And Robertson checks basically every single box. The thing is, I thought if they were going to make this move, it'd be for somebody with control beyond this year. And Robertson, obviously a pending free agent, and he's somebody in recent years where he's been perfectly happy being a hired gun. So there's certainly no strong likelihood that he'll be back beyond 2023. This might only be 20 regular season innings, and then 
then if the team doesn't make the postseason, then what? So this is um to make to trade any substantial prospects for a rental reliever is is risky. There's a chance in a small sample that he doesn't really move the needle. But at the same time, this guy he really fit the needs that this team had. And with the players they moved, um, obviously guys that were playing rookie ball and both Marco Vargas and Ronald Hernandez, guys that were not going to help this team in 2023 or 2024 or probably not even in 2025. There's there's a lot of pressure on this team to um, stay in the race until the very end. I would say it's not necessarily playoffs or bust, but they really need to captivate their local fan base by staying in this race all the way to the end. And this guy, it Robertson, he incrementally helps them do that. But um, I think anyway, you look at the value that they gave up and especially considering that they did tag down all the money that Robertson was owed for the rest of this year, which is no chump change. Um, I think the Mets got a very good value on their side of it as well. Yeah. So Marco Vargas seems to be the one that is most interesting. You know, he's in the uh, rookie ball, you know, last year, uh, Dominican summer league. And a lot of times, you know, specifically for the Mets, you don't really pay attention to these prospects. I mean, I typically don't maybe high a, you start paying attention to them. Double a gets serious. Um, But Vargas is the one that's interesting lefty, you know, both of these guys have good analytics, whether it be track man or exit velocity. What do you know about this guy? Because I, I think there's something here that a lot of the fans on the surface, the talk radio heads of the surface, not interested. Is it Jeff Bagwell for Larry Anderson? I don't know. I'm hoping it is. You're not. Um, But Vargas is interesting. What do you know about him? He in a system that has struggled so much developing hitters in recent years, he's kind of an, an anomaly because from the very first day that he set foot in the DSL last year, he was hitting, he was hitting and even more so than the batted ball results. Uh, what we were hearing is that his plate discipline and his awareness of the strike zone, his, um, his reluctance to chase pisses out of the zone was so beyond his years for somebody that was one of the, even relative to rookie ball, he's been a lot younger than his competition. And now it, it manifests even coming to the States and how often he draws walks. He'd probably like to make more uh, hard contact than he is, right? He'd probably get more, he'd want more pitches to hit. He probably wants to swing more than he currently is, but this is a player that just has a great understanding of the zone and he's going to make the right baseball decision with every single pitch. Um, so he has really skyrocketed quite a bit as a guy that wasn't even regarded all that much when they signed him. They didn't necessarily give him a big bonus to bring him into the organization in the first place. Um, he has popped out in a very rapidly in this organization. I think as we were getting towards the end of the year, he was making a case to be one of their very best hitting prospects, period. I think that speaks more to the fact that there just aren't a lot of guys in this system that project as real everyday starting caliber hitters. And he's a guy that he has that chance. Um, A big piece of his value will be where he fits defensively. He's played quite a bit of shortstop to this point. I think there's quite a bit of skepticism about him actually being a shortstop at the highest level someday. But as long as he sticks on the infield, there's immense value to that as well. He's a player that I think you learn even more about if they do, he does get challenged to the low A level. If they actually push him up to full season ball before the end of the year and he faces even stiffer competition, if he continues to get on base at such a high rate over there, then yeah, you have him in conversations as potentially a top 100 prospect in, in all the baseball. It's been such a quick rise for him. Yeah, for a couple of months at David Robertson, Eli Sussman, Fish on First. They did a great job, those guys over at Fish on First, breaking down these two prospects. If uh, you're a Mets fan and now you're all about the prospects for the last two months, fishonfirst.com. Uh, at 
uh, fish on first on Twitter. Uh, you know, what's interesting about Ronald Hernandez is that not as many people are talking about him, but how many times do you get a catcher? Now, whether he stays there or not is a different story. Both sides of the plate, power, above average throwing arm. I know with the new rules, things are going to be a little bit different how you assess catchers. Maybe the game calling, the catch and throw. You know, things are changing rapidly, Eli, before our our eyes with pitch calm and the ability for pitchers to call their own game. Now it's like, hey, get behind the plate, frame, throw the ball hard to second base, throw it quick, good pop time, and that's it. You know, it's all the other the rules that we grew up watching are, are kind of gone, and and Hernandez seems to fit the modern, at least from the great analysis you guys did over there, the modern catcher post-pitch clock rules. Right. I can start with the defense. I am pretty confident that he's going to stick at catcher moving forward, so that's a big piece of the equation right there. A switch-hitting catcher in Ronald Hernandez at Venezuela. This is a guy that was more hyped up from the very beginning when the Marlins signed him. He was one of their bigger players that they brought in during that international class a couple of years ago. So this year he is putting up really great numbers. In fact, they're similar, if not quite a little bit better than Marco Vargas. The same thing where he's he's great at identifying borderline pitches and taking them and getting on base. The, the What makes it a little trickier is that he is repeating the FCL after already playing there last year. And for that reason, we were kind of hoping at Fish on First that he would already get challenged to the low A level by this point in the year. It's been strange because the Marlins don't really have a real catching prospect that's blocking him for whatever reason. We were kind of confused about this assignment. He seemed overqualified for this level. And uh, yeah, so you look at it a couple of different ways where he's now taking care of business down there, but at the same time, he probably should be because this is a lot of the competition he was already hitting against the year before. Yeah, a guy that was very comfortably within the Marlins' top 30 prospects and pretty high up among just their catching prospects as well. Um, probably their second best catching prospect behind only Joe Mack, who was a very early round pick a couple of years ago. He's much more than a throw-in. He is another piece of this puzzle that at least defensively, if you're a catcher, you're going to get every single chance you get as you go up the system to get those opportunities in play. And that, yeah, there are some things to like about the offensive profile as well, just because he's putting himself in, in good counts. Um, this is a player, especially where I think you'll learn a lot more about him once he does move up a little bit and faces slightly tougher pitching, but he is, um, yeah, he is somebody that you should also be pretty excited about. And he's another notable piece of this deal for sure. So there was some cringe. So when you got the news about the deal, you're excited about Robertson. But you cringed a little bit because, again, the Marlins are in a position where, unlike the Mets, you dump a couple of prospects and you're wrong for a rental. This has repercussions above and beyond unless the budget's changing. I don't know what's going down in South Florida over there. The Miami Heat spend money like crazy. The Marlins, not so much. So there was a little bit of pain when you got the news about this deal. Yes, yes. Simple as that, Um, especially when it is for a reliever, no matter how dependable and experienced they are as Robertson is, like he's been there and done it so many times. He's been traded mid-season so many times and made good transitions with his new team. I think that's a part of it where he's been through this before and he is he's usually excelled with the change of scenery when it's been appropriate. So if there was any rental reliever they were going to do it in this is pretty much it it was either him or josh Hader, and uh, we don't know if josh Hader is going to yeah. be moved there's a pretty short list of guys that i think you can understand the perspective of it and with this marlins team we could just start it i mentioned at the beginning i was skeptical about this team entering the year um as unlucky as they were in one run games last year they've been super lucky for most of this year the underlying numbers say that they're right around an average team overall not a little bit below average and if i was to make a guess um 
their moves over these next couple of days will determine, have a long way of determining whether or not they can hold onto a playoff spot. They're actually now on the outside looking in at this exact moment. So yeah, the fact that they are pushing these chips in for what is by no means a safe bet to actually make it into uh, the playoffs, it is gutsy. And uh, the focus is a lot on simply the feel that the fan base really needs this and that if they are able to just stick really close to the race all the way through, that that's going to make a difference in terms of how many people show out to the ballpark. Uh, they just had their biggest home crowd in six years. They just had a, a massive showing this past weekend, um, a combination of factors, but I, I think some people have are noticing and appreciating that they are at least this far in the race. So the front office and the ownership as well probably goes all the way to the top level of getting Bruce Sherman to sign off on taking this money. Um, yeah, they understand that they do have an opportunity here. So it's it's exciting that they're trying to take advantage of it as, as best they can. All right. As we wrap up, I'm going to throw something at you. We had this. I had this conversation on the show last week. I'm going to make you Kim Ang right now. I'm going to be Billy Epler. I look at the Marlins and Robertson was a perfect fit. And when we talked about this concept, and this is fun with, you know, we're just having fun here. Um, I looked at the offense and I'm like, this team needs a bat. And that's expensive. I mean, where you look and what the Marlins have done really, really well is have a lot of pitching. Their rotation is playoff caliber. Maybe there's some work to be done with some of the young guys, but they've done a really good job and they're cost controlled. And even Alcantara is cost controlled. If you really think about it, that's a great contract, very forward thinking contract. Maybe he's having a down year. Maybe there's something more going on there. But if I said, okay, open for business, here's Pete Alonzo pay down this year's contract knowing that he's ARB eligible, okay? Maybe you trade him in the offseason if you don't want to play into that game. Would you give me Yuri Perez for Pete Alonso? Try to make a make a playoff run. I'll pay down the contract. Mm. Here's Pete Alonso. There's a bat for you at first base, the best bat you're going to have. Southwark, would you do it? Let me tell you. I looked at this. If you guys are listening, Eli's face just lit up like, oh, I don't know about that. So what do you yeah. what do you think? <laughs> not max meyer max meyer's hurt i want yuri perez yeah yeah maybe max meyer you do right yeah max meyer is that's a conversation (laughs) yeah with perez he has made himself pretty untouchable they're going to need him just to get into this postseason thing fortunately he should be back on the way into their rotation by the end of august at some point yeah we've we've had these conversations we have these conversations about juan soto as well um because he's in the same contract status as pete alonzo where it's just one more year beyond this year but it makes so much of a difference would you do it and yeah i'm over the camp that i just i wouldn't do it i mean unless it's you're getting back somebody with this is a team that even if they increase their spending i, I don't think they're ever going to be they're not, they don't have any remote chance of keeping these guys from free agency so if they're ready just a year and a half away um, like, I, I just can't do it. It'd have to be somebody with a little bit more control. And um, they're in a tough spot, though, because you touched on it, and I'll admit it as well, this farm system is in rough shape right now, especially right. At, this, at this moment. And that's why a lot of Mets fans are disappointed by the trade. They're like, why would we be excited about getting prospects from a team that doesn't have a lot? But it sounds like these were the few that were promising that, that they got. Sorry to interrupt on that. Yeah, so they still have some minor league pitching to maneuver with. You mentioned Max Meyer. That's one. I, I just got done watching Jake Eater as well, who is, had his best start of the season right in advance of the trade deadline. But um, these guys are like the borderline top 100 prospects in all of baseball. It's going to be tough to bid against some of these other contenders that have frankly done a better job of 
developing and winning at the big league level. Uh, this is, um, yeah, they are in a, it's a dangerous place for this Marlins team. And that, that's another reason why there's a lot of focus on winning this year, because they know that beyond this year, the, the it's not a super rosy outlook. They have the start. They're relying so much on these starting pitchers, um, especially led by Sandy and Perez, but including a lot of other guys, that's going to be the key for this team uh, moving forward to keep those guys healthy and to like live up to their potential because there are just a lot of holes and I'm not sure how they plug all those holes at the same time. You see now this is a Mets thing. Well, well, now you just gave me something to think about. I'm a little worried. Alcantara's had a bad year. Is there something under the hood going on there with that reasonable contract with the Mets accumulating prospects, the other flip side, would you take at the end of the season an Alcantara to the Mets deal, depending on what, capital they're willing to give you maybe i dangle a brett Beatty in front of you or something along one of these prospects maybe we'll give you back the two guys you just traded what about alcantara which could you see him being on the market and as if he's healthy and you can answer that question as well what you guys are suspecting if i'm billy epler if i want to contend next year maybe that's the way to get back especially because you're paying texas to have scherzer all options are going to have to be on the table this offseason i i really think that Perez and Alcantara, they're kind of in their own category. I think those are the two real untouchables in this entire organization right now. I think the um, the spicier question and the one that I think is a more realistic big possibility is what they're going to do with Jazz Chisholm after this year, knowing that he still has a lot of club control, meaning he's still so talented, but he doesn't stay on the field. He's showing that he can now play two different positions at a very high level. Um, that That's going to be an interesting one to go into. And I guess on the pitching side, it's like I said, everybody else outside of those two with Jesus Lazardo, he's had a really great year as well. He's going to be a player that's he's going to be extremely expensive, not that far yeah. from now, but yet he still has club control remaining um, where I I think that's they have difficult decisions to make on somebody like Lazardo because he could bring back so much in return. They got him for a rental Starling Marte and his stock has yeah. so much since then. Um, that, that's kind of the one big, that'd be the bold thing that potentially they do during the offseason. Lazardo sending him somewhere to get a star caliber or to get several everyday caliber hitters and return something creative like that. And he seems to have figured it out a lot of command and control issues now he's he seems to have figured it out. There's another name. You know, when you look at it, there's another match potentially. And, you know, obviously Kim Ang and Billy Epler have already made a trade. Maybe you go that route and all that stuff. So it's really interesting. So what do you got? Eli Sussman, Fish on First. They did a great job. I'm going to put out the link on Twitter of breaking down these two prospects, the most thorough job. Not easy to find blogs outside of the New York, Boston market sometimes that do great work. These guys do. So what do you got coming up other than? playoff watching you know i'm a little jealous here i should be the one doing the playoff watching but you know what it's nice seeing hard work pay off and it's this is what it's all about this is the fun part eli so what do you guys got coming up the next oh six to eight weeks oh i mean i mean so much every single series we do these live stream preview shows that have done very well on both youtube and twitter um so that's twice a week every single week we have um big on credentialed coverage with my staff in miami every single home game and a lot of these upcoming road trips as well this is kind of unprecedented where I'm going to have guys in the press box for about wow. 25 of the next 28 games. You'll be at City Field? Will you be um, at City Field? At the end of the season? Um, yeah, we're expecting wow. to. That's all the way in September. Awesome. But yeah, that's the expect- expectation as well. But we got people going to um, LA and San Diego and Cincinnati upcoming series. Um, 
This is awesome. for, for, the, for the Marlins. This is a pretty special opportunity. We don't know exactly if they're going to be in this position again and when they are. So we got to take advantage of it. So yeah, we're going to have boots on the ground. We're going to have um, and uh, just a whole lot of coverage in between on our website and on our streams. And we appreciate you having me on to no uh, problem. Thank you. Eli. Have a great Sunday. Uh, wish it was under different circumstances, but you be well. And, and thanks for your time. Of course. And that's Eli Sussman, fish on first. Interesting stuff. Like I said in the beginning, who would have thought 100 out of 100 fans, forget about Mets fans, who would be the seller, who would be the buyer? Mike Silva and Talking Mets, the sellers. Eli Sussman, the buyer. That is humble fish on first. Great stuff. Listen, getting press credentials, doing things independently after SB Nation. Got to give the guy a ton of credit. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Wrap up your listening to Talking Mets podcast. Back and more right after this.